Welcome to Two for None for Sunday, the 11th of the 11th. My name is Patrick Cullen. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, the exhausted, but here to bat on through with a broken soul and a broken life. It's Christopher T. Barty. Bardo, how are you, big man? I'm good, Pat. I'm good. Because guess who's back? Who's back? Marsh is back. Back <laughs> again. Tell a friend. Marsh is back. <laughs> Marsh is back, Marsh is back, Marsh is back, Marsh is back. All right, I think that's more than 30 seconds. We can't afford that. Somebody call the legal team. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, look, the Marsh boys have done fantastically well. Sean got a big 100 just now in the last couple of hours, and Mitch got 150 in the shield. Bardo, you must be off your chops. You love a Marsh brother. They're your favorite type of brothers, I believe. Uh, Yep, yeah, they're up there. (laughs) Mate, um... Big show, and we're going to try and make it a big, short show, if we possibly can. Uh, been a long night at the office for us. The the one-day international versus the Proteas has just finished, and Australia suffered a defeat at the hands of some excellent batting and bowling from South Africa. We were just outclassed, CTB, realistically, weren't we, mate? There was nothing yeah. else to say about that, really. No. Nah. Nah. I'll tell you uh, who's going to have a bit of a word to say about it is uh, Chris the good man Goodrick, uh, oh. who's going to be on later in the pod. Uh, with a yarn from a yarpy, and I reckon he might have a word or two about uh, what went down. Yeah, uh, well, he is known for uh, having a yarn, isn't he? Um, but look, he's he's uh, rightly going to be enthused about uh, what he's seen from his uh, national team over the past three games. Um, they'd probably be up there, wouldn't they, uh, the South Africans? Um, in terms of favouritism for the uh, World Cup in England next year. They're going to have to be up there, pal. Yeah, at the moment, you'd probably say it was uh, a three-horse race between England, India, um, South Africa, Pakistan. Well, a four-horse and a three-horse race, but... um, (laughs) It's a complicated race. By by three hands, right. Um, (laughs) Oh, boy. It's a loose three. It's it's a loose, it's a loose three. three. Yeah, it's um, a three point five. Yeah. Um, well, you'd say that you'd say that, that uh, on the on the back of what we've seen um, over the past three games, uh, South Africans look pretty red hot. Uh, just their pace attack at the moment is uh, is pretty outrageous, uh, and clearly they've got some guys that can bat. So um, batting and bowling are, are here at the foundations of cricket. <laughs> Look, Chris, I'm not a doctor, but I'm led to believe that that's the case. Um, Mate, I also wanted to just do a little bit of housekeeping at the top of the pod to announce uh, proudly that we're now going to be on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and basically everywhere else you can get the pod from. You can now attain it there. Um, So I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, We've migrated servers, and we're now in the big leagues, B-Man. We've graduated from Premier Cricket. We are now uh, in the in a development squad, as, as how I'd classify oh, us. Uh, nice. yeah. yeah, right. We're the Jason Sangers of our cricket comedy podcast, I think. Oh, okay. Um, just yep, all right. <laughs> we got our room Coming up yet? through the proverbial ranks. Uh, yeah, we're, we're getting there. Yeah, all right, okay, cool. <laughs> they haven't done orientation. Um, my other piece of news, uh, pod-wise is that uh, Amsterdam loves the pod, CTB. Uh, a lot of, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Lots of fans of the pod in Amsterdam. So I just wanted to say a big hello to the great city of Holland. Uh, I was there a couple of months ago. Had a fantastic time. Five out of five would recommend. Do you reckon there's a strong chance that that listener is Isabel Udall? <laughs> yeah, it might just be Izzy Udall by herself, who's just like listened to the pod over a hundred times. So yeah, it's great, it. great to have you on board. Yeah. Um, so yeah, people of Amsterdam, people of Holland, uh, please keep sharing it around. Loving to have you there. Um, okay, B-Man, today on the pod, let's crack in. We've got the women's World T20s that are happening um, over in the Caribbean. As Alyssa Healy is just crushing that. Um, I'm actually in negotiations too, pal, with a mm. women's cricket correspondent. Um, oh. I'm hoping to bring onto the pod in the next couple of eps. And I don't want to reveal too much this early in the game. But what I will say is she can actually play cricket. Um, which I thought would be a nice change for this podcast. (laughs) 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 She might actually know something about the game. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think that's going to add a bit of legitimacy to the pod is what I'm trying to do. Look, I'm not sure sure about this strange new direction you're taking us in, Pat. (laughs) Look. Weird places. It's a whole new world, Chris. Yeah. strange places so look I'll keep you updated as that develops um, we're going to have a real quick look at the WNCL and the Sheffield Shield um, just about the contenders really for the tests and, and, and how the various teams are going around in the ladies one day comp and then finally CTB we've got to get into the, the overall series defeat in the ODI so um, are you ready to crack straight in pal ready to get into it mate let's go all right, let's go. Um, Women's World T20 is currently occurring over in the Caribbean. And look, Australia's got off to a cracking start. We've just played Pakistan in the first game. And Alyssa Healy, mate, Alyssa Healy was not here to mess around. 48 of 29, eight fours, one six, absolutely smashed it. Her and Beth Mooney both made 48s. Um, and I tell you what, mate, I watched the highlights package from that. It was a bit too early for me to get up and have a look at the game itself. But Alyssa Healy's just power was extraordinary. She was hitting him to all parts. And, you know, it's a nice start for Australia, this. We've obviously just finished a series against Pakistan. So our team knows them pretty well. We know what's going on. We know who to attack, how they're generally going to attack us. Um, And, you know, we mention it every week. But the strength of the Australian team is just incredible. And I also wanted to say, mate, that Meg Lanning through cover is just divine. I mean, mm. truly, uh, some of those cover drives were the things that dreams were made of. Um, huge first innings total there, um, whacked on 165. Pakistan, uh, a couple of nice 20s and 26s early in the innings from their number three and number four, but by and large, didn't really have a chance. And and who do you reckon was in and around those wickets, CTB? Who would you, who would you guess? Elise Perry. Oh, I mean, always a good guess, um, but Megan should, and that woman, what? Sophie Molyneux. Oh, of course. She can't stop, won't stop. Molyneux. Um, yeah, no, uh, well, that would, have, that would have been a sensible guess, because uh, she's been on fire lately. <laughs> Sophie Molyneux. Mate. Just a weapon. Just a serious weapon. And look, we, we've talked about it before, mate, but the depth and versatility of the Southern Stars is just cuts above. I, I think we're on a collision course here. And I was listening to a, a, someone far smarter than me talk about the, the women's T20 comp and saying that really it's going to end up being a head-to-head with Australia and England. Um, yeah, okay. And that's going to mm. be where the money is. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good point. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily also count out the, the West Indies. They also have a, <coughs> a very strong uh, T20 outfit. And um, uh, a couple of their players featured in the WBBL last season. Uh, and they have some really clean strikers of the ball. So I, I, I wouldn't necessarily count them out. But I, I, I would agree that at this stage, Australia and England would have to be favourites, wouldn't they? Absolutely, mate. And look, uh, we've got to throw the hat in there for India as well, um, who got across the line against the Kiwis, 194 to 190 off their 20 overs. So um, pretty impressive stuff there too. Obviously, we're going to watch that one pretty closely. But yeah, I think you're, you're spot on there, CTB. Um, it's going to see about seeing how that comes out in the wash. The West Indies are always a surprise packet. You never know what's going to come out with them. They've definitely got the talent. It's just a question of whether they can put that talent into action. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, matches coming up this week, Chris. We've got England playing Bangladesh. Uh, Sri Lanka have got South Africa. Australia have Ireland, which should be pretty straightforward, I think. And mm. India are playing Pakistan. You can bet there's going to be a couple of million mm. people tuning in for that. Yeah, that'll be palpable. Um, really, really interesting game to watch, of course. Always a classic contest when India and Pakistan meet. Uh, emotions run high. But I think a lot of mutual respect on the cricket field as well. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with you there, mate. While that's occurring, uh, the domestic scene for the women has kicked off as well. We're looking at the WNCL, that's the Women's National Cricket League, uh, firing up for the one-day competition. Currently, the Tassie Tigers are sitting on top of the ladder with three wins from their first four games. ACT's in second, and New South Wales is uh, coming in third there. WA's languishing a bit. Chris, only two wins mm. from four, which is not what we'd like to see. A couple of big names out there for WA, which is always a bit of a bummer. Um, but hopefully after the T20 World Cup, they might get a couple back to hit back late in the season. Anyone there who... Interesting to see, I think, um, who stands up in the women's competition with the, obviously the big names out um, at the women's uh, T20 World Cup at the moment. Uh, I think uh, some uh, performances of, of note... Recently, uh, Grace Harris uh, taking five for 18 um, against uh, the South Australia Scorpions. Oh, what a great name that is. The Scorpions. The Scorpions like a little bit of sting. Like a little bit of sting. <laughs> um, uh, they were burnt by the Queensland Fire. Um, in particular, Grace Harris took five for 18. Absolutely uh, uh, destroyed uh, South Australia there. Pick of the bowlers for sure in that game. Um, and in terms of the Queensland innings there, um, uh, who else? My goodness, what a game. Grace Harris, um, 162 off uh, 114 balls, if you don't mind, to go with a Are you serious? In the second dip. That is outrageous. Get That's out Richie there. Benno levels, Chris. Um, well, I think Richie Benno would bloody love to score 162 with <laughs> five in this in the same game. Um, well, yeah, outrageous. Um, what a performance. Phenomenal. Um, what controversial choice for player in the match in that game. Grace Harris. Yeah. Um, so, no, look, I mean, obviously that was the performance of, uh, of the round most recently. Um, good to see the uh, ACT Meteors getting a, uh, a win on the board um, against the Western Fury. I think it's fantastic that there's an ACT uh, team in the, in the women's competition you might remember many years ago, Pat, the um, uh, the Canberra Comets, I think they were. Um, ah, were, yeah. Had a, had a brief stint 
in the one-day domestic competition. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, I'm pretty sure that that team gave none other than Brad Haddon his one-day domestic debut. Uh, Get out of here. Pretty sure. And uh, I think they were captained by former WA um, stalwart Mike Valletta and featured a cameo from Mervyn the Swerven Hughes. Um, oh, I my goodness, Chris. What a team. Pre or post-celebrity reality TV show. Um, he's done a few more, <laughs> so I'm not sure. I think there was a weight loss one, and then there was a jungle one, and uh, I'm not sure. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the ACT <laughs> Meteors in the women's competition, getting it done. Um, uh, Angela uh, Ricks with uh, 76 off 83, anchoring the ACT innings. Um, doing a terrific job there. Uh, and then... Really, unfortunately, it didn't look like WA was able to get much going in the uh, in, in terms of their uh, in terms of their second in terms of their dig there. But uh, Heather Graham with a, a handy half century coming in at first drop, and uh, um, Claire Kosky too. CTB over in the and the ACT media has got an eighty two at the top there, um, yes, which is a course. pretty tidy innings. But you're absolutely right, mate. How's Kate Cross down the bottom of the innings there at number ten, number number nine, coming in and scoring a forty six off thirty one? We love a bit of that CTP. We love a bowler having a swing, having a bit of a dig. A big shout though to Heather Graham taking three for forty two um, in the uh, uh, when Western Australia were bowling, um, and then coming in and and making it a, a half century fifty two off sixty eight. I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, we obviously have seen Grace Harris. Um, shoulder a fair whack of the load there for Queensland. Um, and maybe that's just what, what we're seeing at the minute with some of the big stars out, obviously, at the World T20 uh, uh, Cup. Um, some, some individual brilliance from the senior players left behind. Um, interesting to keep an eye on, I think. Yeah, man, I think it's fair. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting to see, too, the prevalence of all-rounders in the women's game, mate. Um, so many uh, can bat and bowl so well. Um, you know, Elise Perry being the top of the tree there. But as you say, a couple happening quite regularly where, where players are getting, you know, a couple of runs with a bat and, and taking a few with the ball as well. So that's just great to see. That level of versatility only serves sides well. So um, we need a bit more of that in the men's game, if anything, to be honest. Um, speaking of the men's game, Chris, let's turn our attention to a couple of test hopefuls, mate. Um, so a lot of games have gone down since our last pod, and I don't know that we have enough time to cover them all in depth. So I thought we'd just look at a couple of highlights. And, mate, I know you've been jonesing since the moment that it happened to talk about Mitchell Marsh and his 150. So here is your opportunity. I'm laying out the red carpet. Bardo, talk to me about Mitchell Marsh's 150, pal. Yeah, it was pretty good, eh? Uh, <laughs> Great podcast. Thank you for staying, yeah. everybody. Um, thanks for joining us. This has been two for none. Yeah, not bad. Um, no, look, what did you like a, about that? Uh, a captain's knock. Um, I think he uh, he's taken the captain's armband back for this game, which is interesting, um, rather than it being uh, held by uh, uh, Ashton Turner. But uh, terrific innings. Obviously, went through a bit of a had a bit of a lean trot. In, in the UAE, um, but yeah, great really to, tough to come back and, 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 and you know score a much needed uh, much needed uh, century too because um, things weren't necessarily looking great for WA. I think they conceded quite a, a a high total there in the first dig uh, to Queensland. So uh, yeah, four hundred and forty eight, mate. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's pleasing to see on all, all fronts. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I think, if it, well, if it was ever in doubt, but I, I think he's, he's shown up a spot pair for, uh, uh, for the uh, first test match of the summer, certainly. And look, like he came to the crease when things were pretty shaky. He gets in at three for 42 and ends up forming this exceptional partnership with William Bozito, Bozisto, sorry, um, who's got 167 not out, which is a pretty extraordinary performance in itself. Um, Ashton Turner there with 48. I mean, and Jai Richardson down the bottom of the order mm. with 55. I mean, it was a bloody runs fest, Chris. Um you know, Alan Borderfield is a bit like that. I mean, it's a road, it's got short boundaries, sure. But um, for Mitch to execute so well was extremely pleasing to see. Um, the other bloke who had did quite well was young Petey Hanscom, uh, who scored 123 against the South Australia in uh, with Victoria there. 123 off 216. He reckons he's just tampered with his technique a little bit and sort of mm. gone back to the way that he was playing before um, he got into the Australian team. Uh, fans might remember that he was doing quite a strange thing having his being really, really, really deep in his crease um, and having his bat sort of pointed uh, flat towards point. Um, and he's reverted to a much more traditional setup, um, which looks like it's serving him quite well. So um, that's good to see from Petey Hanscom. I mean, look, with his other technique, he scored a bunch of runs and he made some serious runs for Australia, but I think it's the kind of thing that changes on you, I guess. Um, it's about being comfortable at the crease, I guess. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, it's a very timely uh, century, obviously, for, for Peter Hanscom, um, having recently been, uh, found himself on the outside of the, of the test squad looking in. Um, it's going to be an interesting interesting 11 to pick. Um, I think as we covered off last week, um, you know, I think the bowlers pretty much take care of themselves. Um, well, although, interestingly, I, th- I think... You know, Mitch Stark is not necessarily right at his peak at the minute. Um, but, um, you know, the bowlers pretty much take care of themselves. So, Hazelwood, uh, Stark, um, Cummins and Lyon, uh, an all-New South Wales attack. Uh, you'd have Tim Payne at seven. Uh, you'd probably say Mitch Masters shorn himself up to come in at six. Uh, at five... Um, uh, I, that's I look, a tough one. That's a tough one. You'd have to say on the back uh, of tonight's performance, uh, Sean Marsh has probably done enough. Um, but I wonder if they're going to put him up round three, Bardo, that that maybe you need his cool head in there. I mean, it kind of depends what happens with Uzi Kawaja. Like, I know Uzi's coming back from a knee injury and is, is on the up. Um, and if he can play, then, then rad. I mean, Renshaw's to come back in this side... Sauce can bat anywhere between three and five, although, as we've mentioned in the past, he looks best at five. Mm. Um, Trav Head well, should be probably around four, do you reckon? Well, I, th- I, I, th- I, I think, uh, yeah, I'd like to see Sean Marsh at five. Um, I think that's his best position uh, in international cricket um, on the back of what we've seen. He can open, um, a- absolutely. Um, but uh, I'd like to see him at five. I think that's where he's best suited. Um the interesting spots for me are one, two, three, four. Uh, I'm not sure necessarily that anything is set in stone. Um, you think the way that things are going, um, Aaron Finch will get a Guernsey. Um, obviously, recently been handed Absolutely, the one-day one captaincy and was probably one of our better bats um, overall in the UAE. So uh, probably done enough Definitely. there. So he'll open. So then that leaves two, three, four. 
and and that's a that's a mystery. I've got to be honest with you. I mean, obviously, if if Usman's completely fit, then he comes in at three. Um, but if he's not and fit, maybe Renshaw goes in and opens, or do they keep the Finch Usman opening partnership uh, going because it worked pretty well. well? What do you? What do you, I mean? What I, do you do? I don't know. What do you do? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to throw a name at you, though. I'm going to throw a name. Okay, at hit you me. Can. Uh, Please. Alex Doolan. I think he's. Oh yeah. I, I We've mentioned back. him on the pod before. He's got a hundred a little while ago, didn't he? Yeah. He, yep. He's actually the uh, leading run scorer in the Sheffield Shield at the moment. What? Um, six innings, an average of fifty-eight. Um, Holy moly! Whereas. Um, <clears throat> You know, Marcus Harris and uh, Tommy Co- Tommy Cooper, though, admittedly, is, has been in reasonable form. Um, but their run tallies are more built around single big scores, I think. Uh, sure, 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 so, for me, I think Dylan's got to get a look in. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, whether he can bat three or four, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure at, at the minute um, where, where he slots in. <coughs> I'm not overly convinced by Travis Head's form at the moment. Um, yeah, I'd have to agree with you there, pal. Especially on tonight's form. I mean, we're going to talk about it in a second, but um, he's going really hard at the ball. He's a man who really needs to... He's really... I think he's feeling a lot of pressure. Um, and, yeah. and he really wants to feel leather on Willow, and I, and I totally get that. Um, but he doesn't... At, I think Travis Head will play a lot of tests for Australia. Heck, mate. He could play 100 tests, but... Um, I think yeah. at the moment he's at that stage where he needs to go back to grey cricket for a bit, premier, uh, for, sorry, for first-class cricket, and um, yeah. sort himself out a little bit before he can come Well, back and in. look, I'm sure we're going to talk about the, the most recent match between Tasmania and New South Wales because there was a, obviously some performances of note in there. But uh, just to add to Alex Thorne's case, he was actually opening the batting for Tasmania at the moment, um, which, is, which is interesting. Um, and he, he made a 50 in the first dig and then... Uh, 90 in the second innings when Tasmania was looking to push the pace a little bit um, to uh, well first of all to see if they could win the game um, and um, then when that was no longer an option he took his foot off the uh, pedal uh, a bit uh, <clears throat> so he's shown some versatility in that innings uh, I think there's a there's a case to be made for Alex Dolan absolutely um, uh, <clears throat> I think you might be right there, Chris. That's pretty convincing for me, mate. The, the other person, I, the other person, I think is potentially worth looking at. Uh, again, another uh, player who's been in and around the the uh, fringe uh, for for a while now, uh, in and out of the side, is uh, Joey Burns. Um, yeah, I, I would be really interested to see uh, how that plays out. Now, obviously. Joey Burns at the moment is opening for Queensland. Alex Dolan's opening for Tasmania. Um, it'd be pretty insane to have a, a lineup full of openers. But um, you know, if one of those uh, batsmen felt that they could play uh, three or four, then the squad sort of starts to build itself a little bit. And Australia has been prone has been prone to playing a lot of openers. 
Um, we have been prone to do that in the past. Um, so maybe, mate, I mean, you make a great point. The, the other um, blokes that I really wanted to talk about was uh, our dear mates, Jason Sanger and Jack Edwards. Um, Jack mm. and Mickey Edwards, obviously, the long-haired surfer blokes from Manly, have, have made a cracking introduction to first-class cricket. Um, Jack got 101 uh, there for New South Wales, and Jason Sanger played a cracking innings, uh, 117. Both those men are young men. They're, they're in their early 20s um, and uh, in their day debut seasons for New South Wales and are looking really, really great. Um, uh, Curtis Patterson got a 56. Again, like CTB, I've been a fan of Curtis Patterson for quite some time. He's a very classy mm-hmm. bat. Um, and I'd love it if he was making a few more runs. Because if he was, if he can crack a dirty bat, big fat one before the Test Series starts, he might really get a look in. Um, but I think your call of Doolin is a good one. I mean, a Tasmanian number three has worked out for us in the past and could well work True. out again. Um, so uh, bring him in as far as I'm concerned. Um, mate, real quick, Pope Watch, hashtag Pope Watch. Um, we've got to talk about Lloyd, uh, the Pope. Uh, he didn't take any wickets, but gosh, he was economical, Bardo. Uh, 19 overs, none for 54, 2.84 per over. How do you like that? Well, you know, I mean, the Pope is uh, known to be a proponent of the meek and the mild. Uh, uh, Does that work? Miserly? Uh, I don't know. Um, There's something there. I haven't put it together yet. But no, look, he's he's up, he's about, he's playing. Uh, He's around. Chatting to someone today at a family barbecue who said we should just be chucking him in just to see how he goes. Straight into the deep end. Um, Straight to the deep end. He's played three games for South Australia. Let's put him in the test side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know. I love that person's the, enthusiasm, though. They, He's obviously a, a pope and Dan Cullen and Cullen yeah, Bailey. And, we definitely did. It, it definitely worked out well. Uh, no, they were, they were fine oh, players. Boy. It's good to see he got another game. That's good. All right. Good job, Popey. Well done, mate. Good job, Poby. Let's keep keeping on, B-Man. Let's talk about these ODIs, um, Bardo, because it's been a hell of a series, this series, hasn't it? Um, magic to see Dale Stain back. I mean, a long way off with injury. There was some talk that Dale wasn't going to be able to come back, and when your fast bowler comes back from that sort of lengthy layoff, you're always yeah. wondering whether they'll be back to their best. Um, and he was. He is. I mean, he's yeah. an extraordinary bowler. Um, yeah, an extraordinary great. competitor and it was great to see him in and around it uh, let's talk about the one that happened tonight mate because you and I just finished watching it so it's fresh in our brains um, we lost long story short but what a what a topsy-turvy game be man um, what a what a what a hell of a thing like the notification came up on my phone that Quinton de Kock had gone inside seven balls um, and I was currently fixing myself some lunch at this point and ran back to my computer in order to get eyeballs on there because I was like de Kock's gone inside seven balls let's let's we're on here this is game on mm. Um mm. Reza Hendricks goes for not much, and then Aidan Markram gets a 30-odd. But by that time, Fafted Bussey and David Miller came to the crease, and, mate, they batted out of their skins. Yeah, they kind of went snap there, didn't they? Um, you know, yeah. they scored uh, 20 <laughs> runs off the 47th, 48th, and 50th over. They scored 60 runs, basically, in the last three overs. Yeah, look, they certainly took a liking uh, to the Australian bowlers. I think at one point they were, what were they, three for 55. Um, yeah. And then, the ne- 
you know, next wicket falls for four at for three hundred seven. So a two hundred and fifty run partnership for the fourth wicket. Uh, not, you're not going to lose too many games from there, are you? Um, no, a few would you lose from there? Yeah, very few. And mate, look the. Look, this this whole series, and every time we play South Africa, it always ends up being a battle of bowling attacks, right? You're looking at Kanagisa, Rabada, Ngidi, um, Dale Stain versus Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins. And it's not a, a short thing to say that Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins didn't match up. They fell short. Yeah. Particularly with how they bowled at the starts and at the ends of the innings. You know, when you've got Mitchell Stark, who's one of the best death bowlers in the world, and, mate, he got pumped. Hazelwood got pumped. Faf just went wild. Faf and Miller went absolutely mental, but it was also aided by the bowlers bowling a lot of stuff around their ribs and their hips. They just went off the chain. Um, Look, And and then when we came out... Sorry, mate, you go. I was just going to say, and they took a bit of a liking to the Stoin as well. Um, who was super in the second by the by. His bowling's actually been pretty good of late. Yeah. Um, but tonight just just uh, took a couple of wickets, took a couple of poles, but um, uh, just couldn't get it going. And, and, they, and they took a bit of a liking to him, 70 off, 70 off seven. Um, uh, you know, it's reasonably helpful. And uh, I think, what, what did they go, 12 and over in the last 10? So yeah. uh, just uh, freakish batting, batting performance. Um, absolutely. Um, you know, it was interesting, Bardo. Like I've been struggling with one day cricket, right? I've been struggling with the relevance of it. Like I know we have the one day cup every couple of years and, and that's a great event, but I've been struggling with like where this format sits. Like if you want fireworks and fun and explosions, you go and watch a 2020. And if you want cricket, you go and watch a test, right? So where does ODIs live anymore? Why do we do them? Um, but it was so interesting getting to the last sort of 20 overs of the game and seeing that they had to get sort of 170 and going, well, 170 off 20 is now a really possible mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think because it's of 2020 cricket. That's right. And, um, it changes the dynamics of the game, doesn't it? Um, so it, it was, you know, it was one of those things. I, I think even at, at, uh, <clears throat> at four for 200 or, or you know, where Australia was, with um, Sean Marsh and Alex Carey at the crease, you kind of felt, well, maybe, you know, like this might go all right. Yeah. Um, not to be, unfortunately, but um, uh, look, 50 over cricket, uh, I, I'm a romantic uh, about it. Um, oh, uh, Bardo, which, of course you are. Be still my beating heart. Uh, well... <laughs> I don't know how many people are romantic about 50 over cricket, but only because, as you know, my favourite cricket of all time is Michael Bevan. Um, uh-huh. I, I also want to call out some nonsense. Uh, in one of the local uh, uh, dailies uh, in Perth, they did a, a top 25 ODI cricketers of all time. And they ranked Michael Bevan like fifth. Fifth. Outrageous. Fifth. Outrageous. Appalling. Appalling. And it, <laughs> Even like looking at it on paper, you're like, which knucklehead wrote this? Because his batting average was like 58. You know, this is the media equivalent of a diss track, Bardo. You know that this is that's what this is right now. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna look at it. It made me so angry. 
I mean, look, and I'm looking at it through rose-coloured glasses or red colour or rage-coloured glasses, as the case may be. Um, but his one-day batting average for a long time was over 60. He was a match winner. Um, how many times were Australia like six for 82, chasing 270? Michael Bevan wins it running twos. Twos. <laughs> and then he'll get you a couple of wickets. Bowling left on tournament. Or a run out. Because he's arguably the best one-day fielder of all time. Also, well, well, hang on. No. John D. Rhodes and, and Ricky All right, Bobby easy. Emma, easy there. They have a fair claim on that. But Bevan's not far behind. By the way... Yeah, he was very good. Quick, lightning quick between the stumps. Lightning quick, Pat. Um... <laughs> So, Chris, who did they say was number one? I'm sorry. Uh, Can you remember who they said I was number Gil- one? I think Gilly. I don't know. <clears throat> okay, fair enough. I love Gilly. Don't get me wrong. I love Gilly. He's great. But the best one-day batsman uh, for Australia of all time is Michael Bevan. Uh, best one-day player of all time for Australia is Michael Bevan. I don't want to... I, I don't, I don't even talk to me about anything else. <laughs> I'm not interested. I'm not interested. <laughs> Um, Fans of the pod, if you can come up with a better one-day international player, uh, please post it on the Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash two for none, all one word. Uh, give us your players and we'll see if we can't get Bardo more fired up. I'm just saying. Man, I'm just saying. I've really just looked it up as we're, as we're talking. I'm just saying. 232 matches, right? 232 uh-huh. matches. 67 not outs from 196 innings. So roughly, I mean, I'm no mathematician here, but roughly one in three innings, Michael Bevan carried his bat, right? Not bad. Not bad. Um, (laughs) Pretty good. Almost 7,000 runs, high score of 108, not out, an average of 53.58 at a strike rate of 74. Um, uh, Yeah, it's pretty good numbers, mate. It's pretty good numbers. Not terrible numbers, by the way. Uh, and, you know, and, throwing, and this is playing like the nineties, two thousands as well, where it's a different game. You know, there were longer game. boundaries, the bats were smaller, and there was um, no change of ball. So um, makes a big difference. I mean, in the modern world, but I mean, he could have made a fortune in twenty twenty. Michael Bevan could have made a fortune. Meanwhile, don't don't sleep on his test record either, and I maintain don't sleep on his test record. Uh, <laughs> Because look, he did have some performance. Hey, buddy, you a fan of Michael Bevan? I would wow. never have picked it up. Um, <laughs> we got to get back to the one day. Up. Yeah, we do. I'm just saying, best bowling in a test test match, six for eighty two. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. From your number. I mean, six. That, that is genuinely, that's genuinely really good. Um, look, rolling back to the test to our one day here, big man. We we got to talk about Chris Lynn. I mean, it was the right call, if you ask me, for Finchie to send him up the top of the order. That's where he should be. But first ball from Dale, he tries to smash it through extra cover and gets caught behind. And it was, you know, when you're chasing 320, what you don't need is Chris Lynn going first ball. Like, everyone gets a good ball every now and then, but that's a real one to leave. You know what I mean? You can leave your first one from Dale Stain and no one's going to sledge you. No one's going to come up to you and go, hey, Chris, why didn't you pump him over extra cover for four, yeah. you useless sucker? Actually, you know who would you say know? that? You know, you know who? who would say that? The world boss. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 he would. Yeah, Chris, yeah, well, Chris well, Gale, boss. the world boss, um, well, boss would. Yeah. But we're not all Chris Gale, you know. No. Anyway, uh, so look, that wasn't a great start. 
And then Finchy, mate. I mean, we were just talking about how good Finchy's been looking recently, and he has. He's looked. He's looked great. Um, he was. It was great in the UAA. He really. He really was. But the shot that he played to get out today was just so bad. It was a bad one. It was. It was how I get out. You know what I mean? Trying to tow a ball to mid on. It was like, oh, Finchy, do me a solid. Mm. Um, Highlight of the innings was unquestionably sauce, though. You know, before I was talking up Meg Lanning's drives through cover and saying how they were divine, they were... Um, sauces were glorious, Bardo. They were extraordinary. Mm. Mm. Yeah, look, um, very patient uh, innings. Uh, I'd say it was Bevan-like, but we didn't quite get the win, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> So can't give it, can't, can't give it to you. Uh, I want to, but I can't. Left-handed, left-handed, patient, uh-huh. glue, glue. Yep. Held it together. Do you know what I will say? Uh, Bevan is decidedly better between the wickets than Sauce. Sauce <laughs> is more similar to the world boss in that he does not enjoy running. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, the, he sees the, a tight two Sauce, and he's like, nah. No, I'm turning that around. Yes, that's a single. <laughs> Not today. He, turn, he turns twos into ones. Um, <laughs> he turns them into ones. He's, he's he 35. Them, he's look, he's still got 106. He's yeah. 35 now, all right? You know, all right. Yeah. Now, look, tardy. And, mate, those 35. hamstrings. Yeah. I mean, those hamstrings, you can insure them. I mean, far out. If you can sign someone to insure them, you've done well. Um, mm. The rate those things pop, it, if they were a if they were a thing on a car, he'd be in the shop every week. Is is what he'd be. Um, it, they are fragile. I believe he even has fragile tattooed on them now. So if he's ever unconscious, oh. people know to leave his hammies alone because uh, they they ping off hooly dooly. Uh, Travis Head scrapped around for twenty one balls, um, really struggled, and then cut one back with a point. It was gone like a dinner. And then Marcus Stoin. Mate, I mean, Stoinis' power hitting is just extraordinary, but What did you make of his innings there, pal? Yeah, I mean, the Stoinis is just uh, uh, really proving to be a very versatile player in the shorter form of the game. Uh, and um, his bowling even in Shield Creek at the moment has been, uh, been very, very handy. Um, he's uh, certainly a walk-up player in, 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 the, in the shorter forms of the game. I think you have to have him in, in any mm. side. Uh, be it T20 or, or, or the ODIs at, at the moment. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, when, when Marsh and Stoinis were up and about, um, and then later Alex Carey, uh, you've, you've got to feel pretty good about it. You know, we, we, we gave ourselves a chance. And obviously, um, came a fair way short, but not from a lack of trying. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. And look, Stoinis is... Here's an interesting thing for you, Bardo. Stoinis... Have you noticed his celebrations have kicked up a notch in this series from what we've seen from him in the past? Have you uh, have you paid much attention to that? Oh, I did. I saw some uh, someone in a press conference the other day compared him to the Hulk. They have compared him to the Hulk, and they were actually referring to him as the Hulk in the commentary box, which I loved. But Stoinis himself has attributed it to watching so many videos of Dale Stain and seeing oh. Dale's big, passionate celebrations that uh, he's now starting to channel his inner Dale. Nice. Um, and and I, I love that, Bardo. Um, can I also, while we're talking about the commentary box, can I also say how much I've been loving the new commentary teams, Chris? I've been mm-hmm. loving it, mate. Um, Adam Gilchrist, 
uh, Kerry O'Keefe, um, the skull is in there. Um, he's made some questionable comments. Um, he is definitely showing his age, but I'm enjoying a lot of his bad dad jokes. Um, right. And yeah, uh, Howie's in there. Um, Isagua, the women's former English captain, is in there. She's just wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's a, a lot easier going commentary box. I mean, Warney's in there still causing trouble, but outside of that... Um, I'm I'm really enjoying it. There's some actually really insightful cricket talk going on, not just like miscellaneous banter about cricket in the '90s, um, which is really quite wonderful. So uh, credit to Fox News there, Fox credit to Fox um, Cricket. They've done a great job, and I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So um, I didn't think I'd say that, Chris, but I'm a big fan. B I G F A N. Right, and if you're listening, Rupert. Uh... <laughs> We're here. We're ready to sell out, pal. You just put a check in the mail. Uh, Bo and I, we are ready to go. Get us on. Get us in there. Get us on. That's what I'm saying. Unless you want me to say that Michael Bevan is not the best one day player of all time, that's a threshold. In which case, take a check, Rupert. Stick it, pal. Can't just, help you. Let me throw this at you. His first class batting average, 57. 57. Have you just been staring at Michael Bevan's stats this whole time? Uh, yeah, I have, yeah. You said some stuff <laughs> about, you know, the innings that we lost. Um, no, uh, but just saying. Pretty good. You're quiet. Pretty good. Pretty good player. And look, uh, how great would it be if uh, he'd come in at number six instead of, you know, Glenn Maxwell or even the seven instead of Glenn Maxwell or eight instead of Pat Cummins because I tell you, we could have done with Bevo. Um, for a while there, it looked like a possible thing, but it just slipped away from us. Stoinis got 63, Carey 42, Maxwell 35. And Maxwell was doing his crazy Maxwell stuff. He was jumping around the crease. He was swinging like a mug and he got hold of a couple. But I don't know, Chris. You know, there, there are some people that have a real deep, affection for Maxwell um, and I find him so frustrating you know like he does these incredible mercurial things and he can you know the 100 that he scored in that T20 was extraordinary and he does these extraordinary innings um, but you know when we need him when we really need him he's not there for us all the time and I realised the situation that he was coming out in was nearly impossible and it would have required something truly magical for him to be able to do it but I don't know, mate. I, I, ugh. You know? Uh, look, I, I'd say this. I, I'd say probably by his own standards, he, um, you know, he'd feel like he maybe hasn't had the best three games of all time. But um, for mine, he's uh, he's still in our best 11 when it comes to the shorter form of the game. Um, yeah. You know, 35 of 27. Yeah, as I say, comes in a difficult situation. Um, still had a go, you know, and went down swinging. Um, they've clearly held him back a little bit longer for that that express purpose. I think that's kind of cool, you know, to, to potentially have a have a bat to, that can give you that versatility, but also that that's that can um, also disrupt a, a you know a batsman's flow is the, the you know the the uh, the way in which he's slid up and down the order a little bit. So um, yeah. that would be my point about Glenn Maxwell is I don't know where in the batting order he's best suited. Um, yeah in order to maximize his skills and abilities. And maybe it's just one of those things where, you know, you just have to accept that some days he's going to go off and other days um, he's, you know, going to go off. 
but in the uh, <laughs> cheese way, the mouldy bread way, the mouldy bread way. way, the mouldy yeah. bread firework way. Strap a firework to a loady mouldy loaf of bread, take it out your backyard, light the sucker up, and see how things go. Well, I mean that's mixing metaphors now, but I mean um, <laughs> <laughs> mixing bad metaphors too. Um, no, but look, my point is sometimes it'll be really good and sometimes it'll be rubbish, but I think the good outweighs the rubbish and we should just uh, see this through for a little bit longer. Yeah, you're absolutely right there, mate. The great Dale Stain got three for 45 off his 10. Um, Kikisa Rabada. Mate, have you seen, can you remember a more talented young bowler in your recent memory than Kikisa Rabada? No, he's freaky. Um, he's so good. Uh, also, don't sleep on Ngidi. Um, True. Ingedi is equally frightening. Um, and then you've got a leggy like Tahir. Like, get out of town. It's, it's just a really good team. And I think, like, that's the thing, is, is at the moment we clearly have a disrupted lineup. Um, I don't think that we've bowled... But, oh, well, we bowled, clearly bowled well in the second game um, on, the back of, on the back of the Stoin. Um, mm. But uh, we're still finding ourselves, I think, as, a, as an 11. Um, we've got 12 months to get it done. Uh, so, or less than, less than six months, really. Um, and, uh, you know, whereas it's not a lot of I time. think this is your best South African lineup. Uh, this, this is the team that's going to get it done for you. Um, well, they've had a little bit of up and down with the batting, mate. Like they've, I know that, that I was chatting to Chris Goodrick this week. Um, and he was saying that they've got, you know, with Amla out and they've just lost the Villiers and they've, you know, no JP Dumini. Like there's some big names out of that side. Um, and, and they're still trying to slot a few people in there, but the people they have got have, have really stepped up. Um, I, mate, I've just pulled up Rabada's stats and you've got to listen to these things. These are buck wild. Um, so he's played 32 tests, right? He's got a, a total of 151 wickets at 21. Let me say that mm. again. 32 matches, 151 wickets at 21. Uh, 57 ODIs, 93 wickets at 26. I mean, mate, that is wild. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, For sure. Like, it's, hard, quite it's, hard to think of a, it's hard to think of a fast bowler that, that's had a, a, a greater impact so early. He's 23, uh, B-Man. Memory. He's 23. He's got time. It's got time, for sure. Holy dooly. What a legend. Um, yeah, Rabada was extraordinary again. Um, and you're right, mate. The, the you know Tahir offers them so much. And you know what? Pretorius, who's this lanky all-rounder sucker who bowls, you know, 120 kilometer an hour seamers, has been extremely effective inside those middle overs. He keeps it really tight. He keeps it tight as hell. Mm. Um, two for 61 off 10, you know, like he went for six and over, but somehow he just looked really difficult to get away. You'd think a bloke bowling yeah. that speed would be pedestrian. Well, you know, sometimes taking the pace off the ball can be really helpful. Um, you know, a couple of guys that come to mind uh, years gone by would be Adam Dale from Queensland. Oh, um, yeah. You know, uh, in the late 90s used to bowl... Uh, he'd actually almost bowl his, first, his full 10 in a row. It wasn't uncommon. Um, so economical was he. Um, and also Chris Harris uh, from New Zealand. Uh, love a bit of Chris Harris. Um, 
He's the only bowler that I can remember. Uh, you know how they have the little graphic when a bowler comes on, and they have a little graphic down the bottom. It's like you know, like right arm fast or right arm leg break or you yeah, know, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's the only bowler where I I can remember where it was like um, left. It was like right arm slow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I know what you... And you're going to say, no, no, so he bowled finger spin. No, 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 no. No, I know what slow left arm is, right? I'm not I'm not an idiot. Um, I know what finger spin is. No, no, he bowled slow. You know? <laughs> he didn't spin it at all. <laughs> that was... It was pace. It was just slow. Um, but he was very effective. Um, it, like, I actually believe there was a, a version of stick cricket, the game, or something similar to that, where you could bowl as Chris Harris, and you could bowl his slower, slower ball, and it was nearly impossible to play, because uh, in the game, it moved at almost like half the frame rate of all the other deliveries, <laughs> and uh, Chris Harris would take wickets in that game. It was it was a well and truly a gun. Um B-Man, we, we did get a win in, in the game before that at the Adelaide Oval. It was scrappy, um, but it was pretty solid. Uh, yeah, pretty good contributions there from a few of the boys. The game I really wanted to get to was the one in Perth where you went to, so we might just breeze through this relatively quickly. We won't linger on our victories. Um, how do you feel uh, about We'll that? breeze through it like the South Africans breeze through the Australian batting lineup. It was... <laughs> way, way. Yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah. Well... I'd say this, nice to see Coulton Isle back on deck. Um, yes. Made a handy contribution in a lower order, so that's always good. Um, got got belted in his first over, but after that actually didn't bowl too badly. Um, and I thought was unlucky to get dropped uh, or, or exchanged, if you like, for for Adam Zampa. I uh, understand why he wanted to play Zampa in the second game and, and, and again today. Um, but I didn't feel like Coulton Isle did a lot wrong. Um, so that was a positive to take from that game. Uh, as you say, Alex Carey made a few runs, but really, that game was all about South Africa. Um, yeah. And, and how was yeah. it, Chris, back at this first game we're talking now? Back in this first game at, at the Perth Stadium, mate, how was the vibe? Um, uh, a bit empty, to be honest. Oh, that's um, a bit sad, pal. Yeah, yeah look, comparing it to the last year's game against England, uh, when I think it was Jason Roy who took apart the Australian attack, um, where it was a full house with 55,000 in. Um, not as good. Not as good. Um, and I think the crowd figures were 22,000, which actually, uh, for ODIs in recent years, is not that bad. Um, and if you play that at the Wacker, which has a capacity of you know 17,000, and obviously you have a sellout, um, so maybe it was just, uh, they picked the wrong ground to play that. Um, but I think, and I think that's going to be an issue for cricket in Western Australia moving forward is like, uh, which fixtures are, are ones that are going to sell out and you want to have at the stadium, i.e., yeah. I mean, the Ashes, obviously. Sure. Um, um, and which, which fixtures are ones that you want to have at a smaller ground, you know, i.e. the Wacker. This is probably one where a smaller ground would have been better. Um, yeah, to give a bit more atmosphere, um, because I, can, I mean I can tell you, uh, hopefully they won't kick me out for life. But you know we bought, uh, you know I know I, uh, me and my mate we had uh, nosebleed tickets. Uh, we went the cheaper option. 
Um, but by the end of the day, we found ourselves in the you know some of the better seats in the house. Um, I also think the pricing of the tickets wasn't great. Um, so the how much they selling tickets for? Uh, so the cheapest tickets were thirty bucks, which is not too bad. Um, but like the way the pricing was staggered, so it went thirty bucks, then sixty five bucks, then one hundred and ten bucks. Uh, yeah, right. from memory I, 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 don't, so, I don't know if I have that exactly right for a, for a pasty was, uh, man like myself who needs to sit in the shade I'd probably be paying 110 bucks or something similar well the, the, the more expensive ones were close to the ground I think but um, right uh, yeah I mean the, the, the $30 tickets were perfectly fine they were really good seats um, but I just thought I just found that was odd um, particularly given that you knew contextually that this is a game where you're trying to... First of all, as you said, it's 50 over cricket, so you know that it's a form of the game that's not overly relevant, um, but also, you know, that, well, I should say it's struggling for relevance, um, but also you know that you're coming off the back of a period of time where, you know, cricket, cricket is, is, is uh, seeking to get back in the good graces of the sporting public's books. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and we, as, as we've highlighted before, we don't necessarily have, like, the settled ultra elite lineup that we used to have. Um, so wouldn't you be doing more to make the game more accessible? And they may come back and say, well, you know, we had to price the tickets this way because of where it was played. But if that's true, don't play it there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I hear you, pal. I reckon they probably booked that gig in way before um, all this stuff went down in South Africa um, during the last test but I, I hear you mate like somebody should have seen that I mean it's not exactly a hard thing to move them from you know Perth Stadium to the Wacker it's just down the road um, and there's nothing going on at the Wacker and there's not like anybody's there doing a thing so um, yeah I hear your point there mate a, a bit unfortunate um, it was pretty unfortunate for the Australians too back in that first ODI uh, got pretty pumped I mean when Nathan Coulton Nile top scores you probably not going to win a game. Credit to Colton Nilo for, for smashing him around. And South Africa made easy work of it. 47-44-36 at the top of the order there. Um, uh, some pretty good bowling. Uh, Stoinis got three and really sparked stuff um, and, and was quite exciting in the field. Uh, other thing to mention there was David Miller's run out of Pat Cummins, which is exceptional. Holy moly, he's such a jet mm. in the field. In fact, I'll give South Africa credit for that across the whole series, mate. I think they outfielded us as well. Um, I think their ground fielding, they saved so many runs. Like They were quite exceptional. And look, to make a, a personal comparison, B-Train, I, um, I was playing cricket on Saturday uh, for the mighty uh, Summer Hill Cricket Club. And um, the other side had players that, uh, on an average age, were about 10 years younger than ours. Um, I'm one of the youngest blokes in my team, generally speaking. And uh, they stopped a lot more fours than us, Chris. And um, let me tell you, when you stop fours, you tend to win games. The other thing they did was catch. I had two catches dropped off my bowling, big man, um, which gave me infinite cosmic sadness. We made 104 in 40 overs, and they made 106 inside 20. Um, So what we call that in the game of cricket, ladies and gentlemen, is getting pumped and uh, got... Pumped. So, it, it, fielding's really important, and I think South Africa did a, a better job than us over the course of these three ODIs. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, let's have a real quick look at the middle one there, mate. Uh, I started on it, the, the one at the Adelaide Oval. Um, South Africa did extremely well there. Aaron Finch got player of the match um, for his fighting 41. But um, by and large, it was it was great to see us get a win in the middle there and, and put some life into the last game. Finchy was excellent, um, as were Lynn and Carey. Um, Alex Carey, mate, you know he nearly got a game with the GWS Giants. Um, he was mm. he was uh, pretty close. To, I think he may have even got one or two on the field there. And Kevin Sheedy was like, "Hit the bricks, pal. Footy's not for you." Um, a couple years later, he's playing for Australia. So. Apparently, he's a very cool, calm, collected character. Apparently, he's um, a great guy to have around the group, even though he's only been playing for a short while. Um, he's definitely very talented. I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, the other bloke who did well there was, was David Miller again with 51 with the bat. I mean, he's been quite extraordinary this this series, David Miller, CTB, don't you reckon? Yeah, no, very, very good. Um, as I said... Um, He's just been one of those guys that's slotted into the South African lineup very, very well. Um, absolutely, uh, you know, clearly very explosive today um, and going to be very dangerous moving forward. Um, they just seem to have a, a, a procession of uh, talented cricketers coming through South Africa. They really do. They really do. And I agree with what you're saying before, mate. They are probably on track to be one of the favourites for the World Cup next year. Um, so we'll have to see how that comes out in the wash. Let's hear from our South African correspondent, Chris the Goodman Goodrick, for a yarn from a yarpie. And before we go to Chris, just a short note that he actually recorded this on the Saturday. He was unable to record after the match. So... Um, it's a little bit like a step back in time, but he makes a great call towards the end, um, and I thought it was worth leaving in. So uh, here is Chris Goodrick with a yarn from Yarpy. Kunjani, good day Australia and good day Paddy. Good to be back, mate. Good to be back and uh, yeah, finally watching some cricket again, mate. It's been a while and uh, yeah, I suppose good to see the Aussies and the South Africans back at it. It's always a good contest. Um, so yeah, it looks like uh, at this stage we we pretty evenly poised at one one. Um, Australia just sneaking home there in the end. Um, Again, uh, it's something that I've seen quite often with the South Africans is uh, with a bit of pressure. Uh, sometimes, you know, we do have those batting collapses. And uh, again, we, see, we saw that again. But I, I do think we, we've got a little bit of a... Well, we're a bit exposed there uh, in the middle order, um, especially with uh, um, the loss of A.B. de Villiers, uh, obviously retiring, and without some key players like Hashi Mamla, um, who's not playing as well. So I think it's... Uh, some of our younger players or our newer, play newer players have really got to um, put their hands up uh, for the last game. And, um, you, you know, even players like Davey Miller, who's been in the system for a while now, um, they've got to start performing on, uh, on, on these crucial games. Um, I think he did well and, and, and Faf did well. But uh, I think if those two had stayed in, then uh, we probably would have been home and dry in that uh, in the second one, uh, in the second ODI. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you look at both teams, um, you know, Australia's got fantastic, uh, fantastic bowlers and uh, so does South Africa. And I think that's with the Aussies losing those key batsmen and the South Africans also losing a, you know, a couple of batsmen recently. I think it is uh, it is a key area. And I think Hobart, um, 
that's where the key may lies. Uh, which, whichever team I think really um, bats well is gonna um, is gonna win this one because uh, I think we're pretty evenly matched with the bowlers. Um, so yeah, mate. I think uh, looking forward to the the, the third and final one. Uh, I think uh, you know Adelaide and Perth. We've normally done quite well. I'm not too sure how we've performed over the years in Hobart, but uh, it's, it certainly will be interesting. Um, so yeah, mate. Let's go the bloody Proteas. Let's bring it home. Two one. I think my prediction is if South Africa bats and bats well, put on a big score. I think we'll bring it home. But uh, it's all going to depend on those batsmen. That's my call, Paddy. See you later, mate. See you later. <laughs> See you later, Chris. What a legend. And look, ladies and gents, we got to admit, he was absolutely spot on there. Uh, what an incredible innings. Maybe Australia just has to play better cricket and will win more games. Cheers to Chris Goodrick for an excellent yarn from a yarpie. Mate, before we sign off, I thought we should announce our next piece of Crick Lit. Um, and I, I think you've got it up your hey, sleeve. Sorry, just, you, sorry, just before you do that, uh. um, you said playing better cricket wins games. Oh, yes. Now, is there like some sort of negative gearing arrangement? <laughs> <laughs> we can <coughs> engineer. Because I'm pretty sure <coughs> our new prime minister is pretty fond of negative gearing. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm just wondering... If it's if you know it's good for the country, it might be good for the cricket. Great for the country, um, Chris. Great for the how country. How would negative gearing in cricket work? Not sure. Why low, sell high? Um, something like that. Anyway, look, Chris. To understand um, that, you'd have to I understand how we, we were talking. We were talking cricket. You we were talking cricket, yeah. We so were. Go ahead. What I will say is, to, to understand that, you'd have to understand how negative gearing works. I don't think either you or I are qualified for that sort of action. Um, uh, no, but no, not yet. No. <laughs> but it wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt. Um, Definitely maybe hurt. if a few more of our cricketers understood about the property market, uh, you know, they might be able to um, perform better. I don't, uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, man, I'm not sure they can perform worse. I'm not sure they can perform worse. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Pal, you've picked a book for Crick Lit. I kind of picked the last one a little bit, but you've picked this one. Talk to me about it. What are we we delving into next? What's our next cricketing novella? Yeah, well, I just thought um, uh, we're we're, we're, um, all about extremes here at Two for None. (laughs) um, Extremes. So we obviously went for the crash and bash uh-huh. style of Chris Gale, the world boss. Um, and then we became fans of the world we boss. We did. We did. Kind of, sort of, by the end. Yeah, we like, you're like, oh, okay, cool. We don't know you. You made that clear. <laughs> we don't know you. You've spent some time telling us who you are. But then at the end of the book, you tell us we don't know you. Some would say you've spent you. sort of... 400 pages telling us who you are, but yet <laughs> we still don't know you, Chris, and maybe we never will. We don't know you. Maybe we never will. You're, you're a mystery. But um, <clears throat> I thought maybe someone that would let us get to know them um, and, and be comfortable with that is someone that's probably on the other end of the spectrum, uh, the great Richie Benno. <laughs> um, and uh, <clears throat> a few years ago, uh, Richie Benno released an, uh, uh, an autobiography uh, uh, book. Uh, called My Spin on Cricket. I've always seen it in the bookstore. Always seen it. Always wanted to read it. Never read it. The great man. The great man. One of the, one of the, uh, one of the icons of our time. And 
one of the icons, the cricket icons of the 20th century. So, um, you know, from someone that is uh, arguably one of the icons of the 21st century, <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to um, learn about cricket from another era. I'm excited about that, but it also means I can finally get out my Richie Benno 2 for 22. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ooh. 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 Um, that wasn't so like good. We're going to get some um, uh, mail from the Benno family trust. I'm really <laughs> sorry because we didn't, we didn't start this out meaning to be disrespectful. In fact, we're reading the book to be respectful, to learn. <laughs> Somehow um, we've, we've uh, ended up uh, there. <laughs> well, look, I mean, uh, we'll take a poll, folks. I'll put it on the, uh, I'll put it on the Facebook page. And uh, if you liked my Richie Benno impression, I'll crack it out again next pod. If you think it's disrespectful, I'll put it back in the kit bag and we'll never see it again. <laughs> I reckon it's time we wrap the pod. So let's do that, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, before we go... I really do need to get hold of an Indian cricket correspondent for the upcoming Fortier series. So if you are an Indian cricket fan, or you know someone who is, particularly if they're relatively boisterous, they've got some good chat, and you'd like to hear them on the pod, then get in touch, folks. I mean this genuinely. If you are seriously an Indian cricket fan, and you want to be a part of Two For None, this is your golden opportunity. All you have to do is shoot me a Facebook message or an email, uh, two for none, a Facebook or ginger snap Sydney. That's all one word at gmail.com. You can find it through the podcast website. Um, shoot me an email, shoot me a little audio clip of you talking about cricket. Um, and, and you can get on the pod. You can be a part of the two for none family, join our correspondence list. I can't encourage you enough folks. Get in, get around it, spread the word. We need an Indian cricket correspondent. Get amongst it. That's what I'm saying. Okay, well, that wasn't clear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I wasn't wasn't sure what you were asking. Um, How dare you, Bardo? But I think we got there. You know, once you repeated it. <laughs> the uh, um, no, good. Yep. Any Come final on. thoughts from you, big Do man? It. Nah, I'm ready to go to bed. Um, <laughs> nah. It's been a long pod. Um, you got some editing work to do, mate. This is going to be... Uh, <clears throat> final thoughts. Um, there was a cricket game today. It was the third in a series of ODIs. And there'll be some other games in the future, and we'll talk about those at that <laughs> <time>. <laughs> <laughs> the worst sign I've ever maybe thank you for joining us ladies and gentlemen you're a bunch of legends really appreciate it go those Aussies